Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So now that Farah's hair is looking fabulous, welcome to our (laughs) season two, episode 17 of Boots, Balls and Bras. We are coming to you live from all different parts of the globe. Farah, where are you? You just landed from somewhere. I'm in Scotland. You're in Scotland. Uh, Eartha, you're in London and I just arrived in London back from LA. Sorry for missing last week's podcast, but I know Fartha did a fantastic job. This week we are going to be talking about, yes, of course, the Women's FA Cup Final, which was amazing. Our (sighs) halftime team talk. Well, that was a really heavy sigh there, Eartha. Our first... Can't wait to get you in that. Uh, our halftime team talk, we have a special guest, Bianca Baptiste, uh, Watford FC striker, uh, who's going to be potentially going up into the championship if they win this coming weekend. And our second half, we are taking all your fan questions. Uh, we got so, so many good ones this week. Right, so let's kick off with our first half, the Vitality Women's FA Cup Final, which finished Chelsea won, Man United zero, Sam Kerr again <laughs> on the score sheet. Cheshire Cat over there. Huge <laughs> smiles from Farah. I feel like you might want to kick off on this one, Farah. Go for it. I, I mean, I said they would win on the last podcast. I didn't really <laughs> want to give a score prediction because I knew it would be a tight game. Yeah, but seven, seven. I knew they were going to do it. I knew that they would bring it home. It was yeah. a, a really competitive game, a sellout. Wembley, I think that emotionally takes something out of players anyway, um, with the crowd expectation. Um, Chelsea wasn't at their best for sure. Large parts, Man United were the better team. Yeah. But I really do think if we if I was to look at the game, I think the substitutions was a difference. Peace. I think Emma Hayes' substitution in terms of bringing on harder had a huge impact for Chelsea. Um and, and, and turn the game for them. And I think the substitution for Man United taking off Nikita Paris, mm-hmm. this, I, I think Emma would have been rubbing her hands together. I think, mm. you know, at the time Nikita was taking off the pitch, I think 57 minutes, something like that. Yeah, she was the best player. Crazy. She was, you know, she was certainly her and Charles down that right-hand side and Chelsea, so down Chelsea's left. I think she had a, a, a hard a hard afternoon. Um, made easier for her when, when Nikita come off, as I mentioned. So mm. I think that was the difference, substitutions, in my opinion, was the difference in where the game went. Here with the United fans, what are you yeah. saying? No, do better subs, do yeah, better. Better players. Who do you want? Who do you want? Demaris Agarola. Anyone and else? Sydney Lohman. And Esme Bruce. Esme and Eva Payor. You want to hold, you want to hold Ma- the squad? Mark says world class. Show me world, world class. class. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll put it on the pod. Yeah, honour. Yeah, honour. Honour is one. the best That's player. Yeah. Best fullback in the world. To be fair, we thought she was player of the match. Yeah. 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 Easy. We gave Easy. number two. Honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm number one. I'm number one. She's the best player. Just on that really quickly, we had one of our fans agreed with you. JMO484 said the effects of the substitutions made in the FA Cup final, taking Paris off was a mistake in my view. So, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. She had energy. She she was the only player that's won the FA Cup having in the squad. Mm. I think she had, she brought that's that a energy. good point actually. Yeah, yeah. She brought that energy from from minute one, and and you know what? She's a scouser, right? Let me tell you, them <laughs> scousers will fight from minute one to minute whatever mm-hmm. to win something, and you could see that in her. There was times that she was sloppy, but certainly in in terms of giving the ball away, she'll be straight back on it. You know, mm-hmm. tussling to get it back. I mean, Erfa, you you were there, so you don't have to agree with me, but. I'm sure if you know anything no. about football, you will. <laughs> I know, 100%. And I think we talked about it before in terms of that frustra- frustration of her being taken off around the 60-minute mark every single game. And I, even though she was playing so well, I was like, yeah, she's coming off in a second. Mm. And the guest who I was with was like, no, surely not. Like, she's the best player on the pitch. I was like, I promise you. When her number came up, he was like, what's the manager doing? And I think she'd be definitely disappointed. Again, we talk about the importance of having the squad Um and that rotation, but you talked about the substitutions. Ingle, we oh, talk about harder, but Ingle, Ingle, yeah, Ingle yeah, coming in with Chelsea. Oh my gosh, set all uh, the you squad. Have to, though, right? Amazing. You have to. She, gonna, I think but, she's but, like but, underrated. Of course, but I'm saying if you if you bring harder on, you need an Ingle on the pitch. Hundred percent. But she's got you have the, the defensive well. discipline is just unreal. Amazing. Unreal. So yeah, she allows for the for hard, obviously, as you mentioned there. But yeah, she mm-hmm. needs a shout out because I think that double sub for them. Harder in England Amazing. was was massive in terms of shifting the the momentum of the game in, you know into Chelsea's hands for sure. On 100%. that on that one, I'm curious to hear you guys' thoughts because obviously, yeah, Pernille Harder's been one of my favorite players since the Euros twenty I think it was twenty seventeen when Nadia Nadim and her were just like unbelievable for Denmark. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts moving forward? I know I'm I'm, I'm get, coming off the FA Cup final, so we'll come back to it later. But thoughts on Harder and Ericsson leaving the squad because I've I've praised Ericsson. You you also said Mielda as well, but I thought her, you know Ericsson being at the back and and just that solid player, and then Harder what she brings to that squad. Do you think that's going to be a massive difference next season? I saw they just signed another player as well, though. I think she, look to lose a player of that quality or both of them of that quality. Of course, they're going to be hard to replace. I know Emma would have already, you know, she'd have been already searching for players, so she would have already had players lined up to replace mm. those players, knowing that they weren't going to be staying. Yeah. I mean, I remember Arda from when I played at Everton, and well, I think she was at Row. Well, I could be wrong. I can't remember which. No, she was. We played a Swedish team. Now. I can't remember years ago. Anyway, and I was like, "Who is this kid? Just phenomenal!" Mm. Like, and I'm talking years ago because I was at Everton years ago. So she was a young kid, and honestly, even before that, that European Championship they won about when when Sweden Denmark was so good. Yeah. Um, sorry, was it Sweden? That was that the year that Sweden Denmark Denmark got to the final that year. Didn't Denmark they? got to the final. Yeah. No, it yeah, was that year where they had. You're right. Where Harder was phenomenal in that tournament. But I'm saying even before that. I mean, I remember I played up against Lucy Bronze and I was just like, for club, in, in, in it, it, well, it weren't the Champions League back then, it was the UEFA Cup, whatever it was. Unbelievable player. One that I think mm. would be hard to replace. I think they've missed her this season. When Chelsea play without the ball and Hard is in the team, their press is completely different. We mm. saw on, 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 on um, Sunday in the Cup final, when Harder come on in terms of stretching play, there's not many players that willingly, willingly will stretch the play. And she does that, you know, somebody of the creativity that she has to do the off-ball running as much as she does, I think it will be hard to replace because I don't think the modern-day player like to run off the ball as much as, say, the older generation of player and, and harder being one of those. Is she, mm. is she as big a miss as Rachel Williams leaving Spurs? Oh, well, we've seen or where bigger. Spurs are in the league, right? No, but so, I'm talking about the impact of, of not having that player. 
No, no, uh, no, because Chelsea have the depth in their squad is just mm. is phenomenal. We've seen that this year, whereas Spurs mm. needed a, a goal scorer, they needed a, a Rach Williams in their team. So we've seen what the absence of Rach Williams has done to Spurs. They're fighting relegation at the bottom of the table. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think we could say that they're, they're the same impact, but she certainly will be a loss for them. I know, I think Emma Hayes will know that. But even Ericsson, Ericsson the same, because I think Ericsson, you know, the, the way that she's performed whilst being at Chelsea and how much she's mm. matured as a, you know, as a person, as a player, you know, when you hear her in interviews and how she speaks. Um, yeah, I think she's yeah. certainly improved there at the club as well. So double loss for them. But as I said, I know Emma will already be thinking and probably already done the deals and we'll start to see them now before the World Cup. Yeah, they just signed Schirke Nuskin. She's a German midfielder. So she's over from Eintracht Frankfurt. In the, um, she's also a German national team player. So, yeah, we've already started seeing that. You're right. But back back to the FA Cup final. We had one question um, from – no, we actually had two questions from Sammy underscore D1. What did you all think of the FA Cup final? We've already answered that. But did the right team win? And then also um, we had another – one from Bell Doyle 005. Being honest, which which team do you believe deserved the FA Cup win more? So obviously it was a very close game. Man United scoring in the first well opening what minute of the game, which was called offside, which was offside. So yeah, it could have gone either way. What do you guys think? Who do you think you know should have won that game, or do but you think it winner. was even? You know what? For me, it's not about who deserves to win, right? It's about moments. It's who wins? It's about moments yeah. in games, and I think Chelsea. Have experience their moments so much more often than mm. Man United have. We heard Emma mm. Hayes say before and after the game, Wembley, they played at Wembley more times than they played at Stamford Bridge. So it's more, you know, they're more familiar with the surroundings and than what Man United would have been. But football's mm. about moments. It's not about like how long you are in, in the game in terms of being on top. And we've seen that so many times in football where teams dominate and moments change games. And, you know, everybody talks about Sam Kerr, whether she should get player of the year, whether she should have been awarded it. Big players turn up in big games and she'd done exactly that. You heard her after mm-hmm. the game, obviously awarded the, the player of the match because she scored the goal that won the game. And she said, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't deserve it. You know, other teammates are better, other players are better. But it's big players like Sam Kerr that win you games. They get you gold medals. Mm-hmm. So for, for me, yes, they deserved it because Man United couldn't, you know, certainly stop the likes of Kerr and Harder when they when they had that combination going because they had a few a few chances before Kerr's goal. Harder come mm-hmm. on, instant impact and probably you know should have got a shot away better than what she did. So Ingle had yeah. a good opportunity too, didn't she later yeah, on in the game? Yeah, I don't know what you think. I just think games are made on moments. It doesn't matter who we think are the better team for the, the longer period. Mm-hmm. It's those moments that win and change games. I, I, to be honest, I, I didn't think it was the most exciting game. I've seen better mm. games in terms of performances throughout the season. Um, but in, like you said, Farah, I think it's about taking those chances. And that's what I kept saying. Like, they're going to get, when Chelsea get the opportunity, they are going to punish Manchester United in, in terms of scoring a goal because that's what they do. That They're not going to panic. Even if they go down one, they know what they've got in the squad and they know how they're going to perform. And in those moments, like you mentioned, they're going to get it over the line. And I think, Bex, obviously you weren't, you weren't here this weekend, no. but we've got, we've got to give a big shout out to the fans. I know, I know you've got this thing about the fans and the Man United fans and the type of fans we should have. Oh my gosh. Mm. Farrah, I know you're a Chelsea fan, but the United fans completely outsound... 
They were like mouses, and you know, I've never seen that. Really? Because Chelsea, yeah, like, you, fans like, are really loud, but are. Man United, it looked like the seats hadn't even been filled in Wembley, they were so red. Literally, there was, <laughs> and we know there's more Man United fans in London than anywhere else, but oh uh, my gosh, they were vocal for minute one, right. like even from calling the team sheet out, like you've got really? to yeah. them that, like they were. <laughs> So you didn't hear them, Farah? No. You didn't hear no, them? You know what? I was at the opposite end of the stadium. So I was in the Chelsea fan. So where we was doing the media form, we was on the opposite end. So you literally can't hear at Wembley, the opposite end. You mustn't be able to, because I, as I said, I couldn't. You couldn't didn't hear, hear the Man United fan. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, just to clarify too, like I love the vibe and I love the screaming and stuff. I just don't like the disrespect of the of fans. So whether it's Man United, any, any other fans, it was just that that was sort of the fan group that had been spoken about. And again, I haven't, I hadn't heard or experienced it. So no, I love it. I, bring it on, man. The date loud, you know, screaming, please, but starting to attack referees, attacking other players, booing, not into it, just not into it. Oh, like I love it. it. I love it. You know, as a player, right? <laughs> of course you, know what you do. Best, no. <laughs> No, no, no. I just, I'm, I'm saying, like Lauren James got booed off the pitch by Man United fans because she used to play there. Yeah, she thrives off that. That gives her that extra edge and motivation. I remember when I used to play, like even with only a couple of people, you could hear them, you know, because it was so close to the pitch and obviously no one there. You can hear the direct abuse that you would get. But it's like, okay, cool. But you have to show them in a different way. So when you're on the pitch, you're like, okay, you carry on going because then when you score, you just go over to them, you make them be quiet, they can't say anything, and you win anyway. <laughs> so I kind of like that whole like. As I said to you, Lauren James did it in the in the game against Arsenal for Chelsea in the in the FA Cup, mm. where she, you know, the two 0 sign that she did. I I love that interaction with fans, that banter. There's a level to it. I agree, Bex. Yeah. I don't think I think there's a you know you certainly mm. I think there is a level to banter's that. fun, but booing, banter's fun. Like, abuse no. Who is the who is the goat? Who is the goat from old school of giving that banter? Let me see if your if your brain's still working. There's one fan. More than five. I'll make it easier. Ask, what's his name? I cut Ken. <laughs> Ken. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know I what? promise it's you, Beck. He used to be Pauline the goat, right? She'd get absolutely ripped by him every time she'd play. Like literally. He Why? Was because she was Arsenal and moved or? No, 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 she was England number one and they had obviously yeah. Emma Byrne, Ireland number one and it's every week just be giving her the most abuse ever. Like, she squirted in the water one time. <laughs> <laughs> he literally stands, stood behind the goal and he just like was oh. like, you're awful. Like, everything, anything oh. to try and wind you up. You're getting old. You can't get down to the balls. Like, <laughs> literally, one day, you know, goalkeepers have the water bottle in the goal. Yeah, yeah. She got her water bottle, <laughs> went behind the goal and just completely just squirted him in the face. Like, Good I on promise her. you, it was just really <laughs> on. Well, it's not funny, but we, we don't condone we don't condone it. But it was Brilliant. the funniest thing you'd ever see. But he was there, and everyone knew you're gonna go to the match. Ken is gonna give you banter. Yeah. Like, he's gonna say you're no good. He's gonna say you're rubbish. You're he's gonna rubbish. be like, to get into, you're rubbish. You're rubbish. <laughs> like he's trying to get into your head, and then it was like three people, so you could definitely hear what he was saying. But, yeah, there yeah, were like it's, three it's that... people. He was one of the three fans. So that's all. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That I, makes you know, it even worse. Do you know what? Do you know what right? Sunday, obviously VAR, yeah. first time at an FA yeah. Cup final. First time mm -hmm. ever. Um, actually, first time in this country. I mean, I was going to say it wasn't needed. I was going to say it wasn't needed, actually, because the, let, let's call them, what are they called? What, what are they called, Bex? Because you're a referee. Video yeah. assistant referees. They're no longer called the lines. They're not the lines. Oh, ladies, the assistant the lines. referees. There you go. ARs, assistant referees. The ones that stand on the line, run up and down, raise the flag, those ones. Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah, they yeah, are because they're specialists now, aren't they? So they're not. That's why. Yeah, but yeah. in terms of the job that they did and the decisions they made, bang on. Where is Williams complimenting the match officials? I no, love no, it. No, no, we spoke to them after the game. We, we did to speak them to them after the game. I know. I'm, I got I'm pictures. I'm only about one in. I moaned about one incident, but I'm on about Nikita because from where I was looking down, and obviously mm. she falls into the box. Yeah, she falls the into actual, the box. Unless you, unless you get a VAR or unless you're yeah. that close to play, you would never have seen that the contact was outside the box. There would have been and no think, way. Everybody would have thought contact Thank goodness we have it, right? So in terms like, of that was right, a great example of, my God, that really looked like it was inside the box. When you watch it on yeah. the replay, you're like, it, and then when you, when you have the VAR looking all the different angles, and if, if it's clearly not, then it just, I haven't heard a lot, you know, after the game of Owens. Oh, because that they made decisions. Yeah. My thing was that she made a decision with it. And that's yeah. what I liked about it. She was yeah. far out. It was like, no, it's outside. And even before VAR needed to take an extra look to check, she was confident that her yeah. decision was right. Which it was I like. Emily, Emily hate, slip. Is the, 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 the assistants that don't put their bloody flag up when they're miles offside. Just put your flag up. What yeah. are you allowing play to go on? It's offside. Put your flag up. That annoys me. And I told them, Howard Webb, me and him had a little bit of a conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. and also, the, the Millie Turner and the Harder incident, the off the ball mm -hmm. where defenders know what they're doing and they deliberately block the run of attackers off ball. I still think that is a foul in my opinion. Mm. Talking about blocking the run, what was Lauren James doing? How far offside was she waiting for? Was it Wrighton to come up? She was literally blocking, holding the player from even getting and the ball. And they didn't give it. That's, that's the point. That's what I'm saying. Well, they, they gave it In after the about 35 seconds. Yeah. But yeah. That's my point. Yeah. Apart from that. Very yeah, good no, I, I thought so too. I, I thought the refereeing in general, so it was Emily Heaslip was the main ref, and you had Georgia Ball, Chloe Ann Small, and Abigail Byrne as a fourth official. Um, and then Sophie Dennington as well as the reserve assistant referee. And I just thought they did a really good job. But what's interesting about the VAR stuff, and you, you said like, oh, we didn't need it, but VAR is checking everything. Like it's so, I was in the truck when we started doing all of the, 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 the first time that they'd actually done one of these tournaments where they were doing a VAR and the amount of work they're doing in that truck, because every time the play gets switched, so every time there's like a new possession, they then tag it so that you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the play. So they're constantly tagging. They're looking at everything. They're constantly, they can only intervene in the four instances, as we all know, but the, the amount of work that they're doing behind the scenes just to double check some of the decisions so that you don't hear, you have no idea, but they're checking. And then they're like, no, that was a correct decision play on. So it really, it's fascinating. It's so we're, we have to get you guys into one of those trucks because it's on it, and BBC is going to be doing actually a, a special on it. They're going to be filming and stuff. Um, but and yeah, BBC won a BAFTA, really and Whisper they won a BAFTA from the Women's Euros. Just putting that out there, guys. I mean, nice. Was a part. Congratulations. Of that Does that mean I'm a BAFTA winner or not? <laughs> Next question. <laughs> but congrats! Gonna, that's amazing. That's great. Yeah, that's BBC brilliant. That's really cool. Um, that's really good. What was that for the coverage? Yeah, the, the coverage of the yeah, fantastic, and you were part of that. How was it? Hey, guys, because I wasn't there, and I obviously had some friends who were sending videos and telling me, How was it to be in the record breaking crowd? 77,390 fans, it's a world record for any women's domestic match. Um, it was in England, May. Go on, zing. We were, I was lucky enough through our charity and partnering with the FA. Um, we was able to take down a hundred young people from Aww. from our community. So for some of them who live locally, it was actually their first time 
ever going to Wembley. So it was great to be able to facilitate that. It was sunny. Yes. Um, which is always helpful. Um, my blue suit was shining. Even though I was supporting Man I'm United. I'm so glad she wore. She knew. You knew Chelsea were going to win. That's why she wore. No, it. no, you no. You had a Grenfell was, shirt on. Did I see? Yeah. I had it. It was. It was Phoebe a memorial. Seventy-two. It was seventy-two months since the the anniversary since it since it happened. So there was also a match happening at St George's Park at the same time with. Grenfell survivors and bereaved so I couldn't split myself into two places but to be at Wembley for a a record-breaking crowd Mm. like nearly 80,000 people massive trust me yeah you know what I'm like I don't want to put my boots back on the Euro final maybe want to put my boots back on and that FA Cup final at the weekend, I was like, man, my feet were itching. Like, itching, really? itching. I to, like, yeah, I wanted to play. You, you proofed it in your mind, didn't it? You've done in a question in, in your mind. I scored. In my mind, I scored. Like, I know I did. And, I, and then I ate that um, pasta sandwich that Sam Kerr had and backflip. Oh, like, God. <laughs> now I wanted to play, honestly. Like, did I was, you? Like, the whole build, like, we're getting videos sent to me of, like, you know, like the walk from, like, the station yes. down Wembley Way and all of that. And you're like, really? Like, honestly, it just brought me back to, like, when I was a kid, and, and, and we spoke about it b- before, what the FA Cup means to, like, young mm. English players. Because, Bex, mm. obviously, you didn't really know too much about the FA Cup coming yeah. from overseas. Learned but a lot. It's yeah. so, such a special cup. Like, the mm. Wembley steps as a kid, like, the things you used to imagine doing, winning the FA Cup, going yeah. to Wembley, walking up the stairs, like, you know, like, on the, mm-hmm. looking down on everybody, picking up the... Yeah, to, know, to, 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 to ever think that a women's team will be playing there in a packed out Wembley, it was... It, it genuinely was a dream for, for females, certainly mm. myself. So to go there as a fan and literally, as you say there, like a packed Wembley was just madness. And I actually wanted my boots on. Did you? That's so cool. I did. I did. So I, I, I misspoke I because it was a women's domestic club um, highest record anywhere in the world. So it was the highest domestic mm-hmm. uh, game attendance, not just yeah. in England. That's brilliant yeah. because we saw them play. Was it Germany seventy-seven thousand? That was a few years ago, and so the, the England team has almost slash sold at Wembley. But that is a domestic. Those are two of our top teams here in England, and that's a world record. Do you know what I'm a little bit disappointed of? Because obviously I was in LA last week, um, trying to get on the pod, but couldn't get up for the two thirty a.m. So apologies for that. But the it, I'm a little bit disappointed that it didn't make more global news. You know, because it is such a huge thing, but I didn't hear a lot about it. I didn't see it on some of the other platforms that I was hoping to. So just being outside of the country, it was was interesting to see the perspective because here in England, I'm sure it was massive. And that's Mm -hmm. that's the next step, isn't it? it That's the next step along with, Mm. surely if we can, and look, of course, when, when it's like you look at the summer of the tournament, when it's like a knockout tournament, the fans will come out for a short period of time. Now it's how we can market it in the same way week to week so we have these type of record or, or types of crowds coming out to the women's game domestically week in week mm. out because we still don't fill our stadiums we still have yeah. you know anything between i don't know one and four thousand i guess fans mm-hmm. or you know some of the lower clubs even less so how do you yeah. go from a, a final that was basically nearly sold out you know we sold half world record period man yeah, world yeah. record my point yeah. was we sold half of the tickets in january so it's something that Mm-hmm. Had been marketing for a long time, knowing that the, the, the final was going to be in, in, in May or whatever it was. What I'm saying is that how do we do that week to week? What do the clubs need to do more so that the marketing, do they need full time marketing people? Yeah, like, absolutely. Do they model what the men are doing, like yeah. in terms of the fan? Like, how do they? Because we need to get to the point where that's just normal. 
and mm. it's not just one yeah. off occasions and big occasions like that where you know we break records because we'll be breaking them all the time let's just let it become the norm where you know we go to a game and you know we're in a packed stadium yeah and, and you touched on it there Farah in terms of it's not just about the top end of the pyramid actually go to your local women's teams club and watch football and that's the whole point we want to build it from the bottom up the top bit is obviously going to get the fans and there's going to be people coming there but you don't just have to go to WSL or championship actually go to your local club definitely and we spoke about it with the structure of the league and things that we were wanting to see in this new company in the new league and one of the things that like I strongly think they should do is a centralized ticketing system where it's just taken over by the league and it's so much easier just to get tickets because like you said, we had issues. I had issues. Tottenham is just down the road. Want, my friend wanted to go and couldn't even get a frigging ticket. But on that note, we do have Bianca Baptiste joining us for the halftime team talk next. And I know far you have to go cause you're okay. in Scotland and have lovely things to do up there. Guys, before, before I go, we wrap up, I will go on, be on, yeah. at Tottenham Reading. Come on, Reading. Come on, Reading. <laughs> <laughs> and, before, and before we, <laughs> come on. Before we, ra- before yeah. we wrap up the um, the FA Cup, can we give a big shout out to Sammy Rowland from Hashtag United, who actually brought the match ball out because she was a top goal scorer who scored 11 goals in the FA Cup from the preliminary rounds all the way through to the final. So Amazing. it's also good to see. Mm-hmm. Not Sam Kerr winning top goal scorer of, of the competition. So well done, Sammy yeah. Rowland, for that. Yeah, amazing. So we've got, um, just looking ahead for the WSL off the back of the FA Cup, we've got Everton Arsenal tomorrow at uh, 6.15, West Ham Chelsea tomorrow at 8.15. And then the last match day or second to last match day is this coming weekend and only one more match day left on the 27th of May. So it's uh, going to be really exciting. Fantastic. Anything else on the FA Cup? Sounded amazing. Gutted to have missed it. And well done, Far on the coverage as well. Thank you. Mm. Man United will win next year. I'm going to wear a Chelsea dress, but I've had to act art of football because they're the only one who can hook me up with a, with a good dress because you know I've got good standards. So art of football, we need to get in... Um, that's fine. I, I don't care. Where are you going to dress from? So long as it's blue, yeah, with a big Chelsea CSC nah. and a lion. <laughs> <laughs> Out of football, get, get at me. I need, I need a Chelsea dress before the end of the season. You need it. Need it. All right, guys. All right, well, that wraps up our first half about the Vitality Women's FA Cup final. Farah, thanks for joining us thanks. and good luck with your event. And we will come to you now with our halftime team talk with Bianca Baptiste, BB. the striker from Watford FC. 
All right, and for our halftime team talk, we have a very special guest, uh, Bianca Baptiste. Did I say that Amazing. right? Amazing. Okay. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, um, and you need to know, she's a striker for Watford FC. You were also the top scorer for Tottenham Hotspur back in 2017. Um, you've just had your women's FA WNL playoff final. No, you are going to have your women's WNL playoff final this coming Saturday, May 20th, 1 p.m. kickoff at Milton Keynes, Dawn Stadium, just in case uh, anyone's uh, ready to go. Um, but you guys won the FA WNL Southern <laughs> Premier Division last Sunday. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's such a proud moment, obviously. Had, had, it's amazing. For me, for me, I got a big question because obviously we know you was at our club Spurs that we always get stick about on, on the podcast. <laughs> Um, and then going across to Watford, how how's that been this season? Because obviously you're someone who's won loads of accolades. What's what's your role in the team since joining? Do you know what? it's been phenomenal? Um, the coaching staff have been great. The team have been amazing. I mean, there's some players there that I've known already, and um, that was nice, obviously, to go in and build in with them. Um, the fans are fun, like outrageous. Honestly, when we played at Vicarage Road, it was. <laughs> it's probably one of the best atmospheres that I've had. And um, obviously, playing with Spurs, we played it at White Hart Lane. Mm. So that again, to have that in two different teams, it's just mm. unreal. And to be inspiring the younger generation is even better. So yeah, so it, it's mm. it's great, man. It's a great it's a great feeling. It's it's something that wasn't negative for me in any way or any time at all. I've enjoyed it the same way that I've enjoyed Spurs. So it's really good. It's really good. And in terms of this week, any different? Is it, because obviously you've done so well, you've been consistent this season, you've won the league and now it's down to this one game. I know you've got experience obviously playing when we played against Blackburn before and having to win against that Northern team. Is the training change? Is is there is there nerves? Everyone is definitely focused. That's for sure. We're um, training hard, but we're also, you know, we're also happy and grateful for what we've achieved itself. Um, you know, winning the league is 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 good for us. And you know, we worked hard, we trained hard. The facilities are amazing that we have. Obviously, seeing other people, you know, on holidays and things like that is great. But we know for a fact that we need to stay driven, we need to stay focused, and our time will come. And when it does come, then we can go away and enjoy ourselves. So obviously, your your game coming up on Saturday, where only one team can go up to the Barclays Women's Championship. I mean, Fartha explained that to me a couple of weeks ago. So that's pretty gnarly and intense. But how was the game that you just played? I mean, that must have been like you knew you had to win and then you knew you had one more step. But was it close? Like, give me the rundown. Give us the rundown. So with um, the Oxford game, yeah. um, we knew we had to win. And that was that was literally the call of, do you know what? We've done enough. It's now up to what Ipswich do and what Oxford do. Mm -hmm. So um, the last game we played again we, against them, we drew 1-1. Yeah. And um, they were lucky enough to have a free kick and score from that in probably about the last minute. Um, they're a good side. They are a physical side. Um, but we know ourselves that we've got a good team and a good unity together. And it was more of a situation of let's come together, let's do this. Now, when we first started the game, it wasn't as... As we planned, we tried to keep the ball. They obviously scored and went one up and we went in at half time. And um, 
Uh, one of our goalkeeping coaches, Sophie Harris, she made a phenomenal speech. And honestly, I think we were all sitting there at first with our heads down and she was the first one to say, get up, heads up, let's go. Listen, we're doing it for everyone. We're doing it for your family. We're doing it for your, you know, everyone that you, that's supporting you. We're doing it for the people that can't play, the people that are here supporting you every single game that can't play because we've we've had quite a few ACL injuries. So they've been there you know, every step of the way, training, um, every match and supporting us, you know, as a team, as one. So it was more of a, do you know what, we can do this because we all come together. And if we've got all that, let's go. And the second half was just a completely different team. No way. It wasn't, there, no one changed, but our mindset was completely mm. different. And we went in and we said, you know what, we can win this. And when we scored the one goal, obviously it, it, I scored it, and I hey! was just <laughs> oh, It's probably one of my best goals. Was it? Honestly, I what I you scored some league. bangers, B. Give us a rundown. <laughs> How'd you score? Come on, play by play, go. Um, so it it was it came off a defence. So Megan Chandler she defended the ball. Annie Ross, Rossiter picked up the ball. She played such an outstanding a wide ball out towards me. Um, I've chested it down and as I've chested it down I saw the goalkeeper and I thought I'm going for this corner and I smacked it as hard as I can <laughs> and I thought oh god this is going wide and then all of a sudden it just hit the top it was just like it waved and it hit the top corner yeah. and yeah. I was I, I literally jumped because I was shocked at first <laughs> so when it's gone in I went oh and then I went and celebrated <laughs> they're, they're, they're the best ones and you talk about they, motivation B we can't we can't skip over Wardy. Um, obviously, she's retiring at the end of the season, and anyone knows the shift that Helen Ward's put in for both club and country, champion championing being a mother, so many other things, aspects in and around the game. How much does does her role play in terms of this final hurrah? And we know she's a Watford fan as well, so I think it means yeah. a little bit more as well for for the team. What what is it like in terms of that? Do you know what? For me, Wardy's just my goat. She, uh, Messi's not my goat. Ronaldo's <laughs> not my goat. Helen Ward is my goat. Honestly, she's a legend and she speaks so highly of the team. She's she's just a perfect role model for everyone in, in women's football, if I'm completely mm -hmm. honest. she's She's been there throughout. Obviously, she's been at Watford for many years. She's held them down when they've been relegated and, and you know, hopefully she's there to push us through to get promoted. I mean, she scored eight goals in two games. Really? Mm -hmm. Mate, I've done that in primary me, once. I'm not going to lie to you. She's yeah. a natural number hey, nine. Well, yeah, so. I mean, it's a shame that she's retiring, but she's phenomenal. And um, Watford have actually posted up, um, they've painted a picture of her on the men's Watford Stadium. No way. I saw a mural, right? And mm -hmm. honestly, I was, I'm so proud to be able to have the chance to play with her because she's just a phenomenal player, amazing person. And, you know, she, she's just great, honestly. Mm. She's amazing in every single aspect. A motivator, everything like that. She's a great, perfect role model for Watford itself and for women's football in general. Definitely so cool. can second that, for sure. I think last question, I guess, for me in particular, obviously we know next season it's all changing in terms of the playoffs and now we'll have two teams promoted is that something that's been discussed? Is, has it been a long time coming? What, what's the thoughts in and around the girls in terms of that new changing? 
I mean, it's a shame it hasn't started this season, that's for sure. But <laughs> Yeah, you would have been um, there. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, it, it's good, um, we think, because the fact that, you know, both teams from both divisions work so hard um, to get the, you know, to win the league and um, to play, to get to playoffs and be told, you know what, it, it's this one game and this one game will determine whether you go up or not. I think it's it's horrible. And you know what, bless Blackburn, they they had a they had a run. The amount of times that they got to that position mm-hmm. and then to be told, well, not be told, but obviously get to the playoffs, play the opposition and not win, it, it it's demotivating and it, and it, and it's horrible for and for women's football in general. You know, it, I I think that it's it's good that it's changing. It's you know finally it's come, but I, I think it should have come a lot earlier. But do you know what? It, it, it is what it is. They're making a change and. Um, that's for the that's the lionesses for you, isn't it? <laughs> they're doing us proud. They're doing yeah. us proud, and they're helping that's, us out. That's so cool. Do you? Last question, like for me too. You you played for lots of different clubs. You Enfield Town. You you started in Arsenal in the in the academy. Uh, Leighton Orient, QPR, Tottenham. You played most of your career, didn't you? And then you went to Crystal Palace and Watford. Yeah. What does your future look like? You're gonna hang out at Watford. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah. Watford's for me is one of the closest teams that I've had since Spurs. Um, and you know, I think that's that just says enough for me. Yeah. So I'm very comfortable where I am. Um, I, I love the girls. It, I guess it just depends now what happens next and and what for what Watford bring. But um, I'm pretty sure it's all looking positives. If I was to ever leave, it would have to be something phenomenal and something amazing because it's not all about you know. Um, the team or as in the name of the club mm. or um, the money that's being given. It's also how you feel. I've been at teams where I felt, you know, I needed to do better. I've been through things in my life where it's affected me as a person and I needed that build up. And football's always been an escape for me ever since I was younger. It's always been an escape for me. So for me, I don't want it to feel like a chore that I'm going to train in. I want it to feel like enjoyable and, you know, and not even that it's a job, it's something, it's my hobby and it's something that I love. Watford's definitely something that's brought me to that thing that I had with Spurs. And that's something I cannot give up and cannot give away. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I, I stay and hopefully that that's my, you know, my career. <laughs> Brilliant. So good. And you're 31 years young, so we expect at least another 10 years from you, Bianca, okay? 10 years? That's if you want me to be a goalkeeper. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, we we won't tell the goalkeepers. Don't tell her that you just said that. To be fair, yes. To be fair, Sophie Harrison is probably one of the goalkeepers that I really do know, and, and she's fit as anything she's athletic and she she oh she's so fit it's unreal so yeah. that i'm joking in that aspect <laughs> yeah i'm really joking you but, just yeah, saved your no, ass you know she, Part, yeah um, eartha would have been all I'm, over I'm that i'm slowly moving back <laughs> so b quickly last 20 seconds a little bit of a promotion what what you want to tell fans in terms of getting down this week to watch the playoff final. Please come. Um, it's going to be enjoyable. Bring your friends, bring your family. Um, you know, we give signatures after. We take photos after. We just want to inspire the younger generation. So please bring as much kids as you can just for them to enjoy the atmosphere. And hopefully it'll be a good game. Not Forest ain't easy. It's going to be good and it's going to be hard. But we'll give it all we got.
Nice. Amazing. Love and, that. Love the respect between the two teams as well. Well, just, B, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, and just Thank for you guys, guys I appreciate just, the result. Just, just for info for those guys who hadn't heard it at the very beginning, Women's FA WNL Playoff Final this Saturday, May 20th, 1 p.m. kickoff at Milton Keynes Dawn Stadium. It's a really quick train ride from London. Super easy. So we expect to see all of our listeners up there cheering for you. There's a nice outlet outside as well. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much, B. Lovely to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Good luck. All the Thanks, best. B. Get them goals. Top name names. Thank you, guys. It. See you later. <laughs>Okay, so that was awesome, having Bianca on uh, from Watford FC. That wrapped up our halftime team talk. Good one. Thanks for getting her on, Eartha. Really good shout, man. Um, Second half we have coming up, we have some fan topics. So we're going to be taking your questions and chatting about them because we had some really good ones this week. The first one that we had was on the league expansion plans. It was from Sun L. Frog. Another good name. Uh, should the <laughs> WSL expand to include more teams and have a promotion relegation structure? I mean, currently the WSL does have promotion relegation. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts, Earth, on do you think the WSL should expand? I think for me, it will be great in terms of competition, for sure. We want we want that expansion to happen. We want more teams competing um, we want there to be more opportunity for competition to take place within the league. Again, on the flip side, I'm kind of like, we're already complaining around how many games that teams are playing. And actually, is that a viable thing to then add more fixtures into the calendar? Um, I think if you ask the players, um, I, I think they'll also have a split decision in terms of we want to play more football because we love playing. But then actually the well-being piece and is important. Um, in terms of going forward. And I think a great example of that would be Leah Galton. We know how much times England's tried to get her to mm. to play for the national team. Oh. And she's like... They need her now too, right? <laughs> my like well-being, for sure. My sort of work-life balance is yeah. so important. Um, so I think it's something that's definitely at the forefront of, of players' minds. But I'm sure there's many a teams in terms of maybe looking at the men's side and premiership status that could potentially look at getting a team in and, and investing on that side of the game. We look again at, at Man United, they didn't have a women's team in over five years and they've invested and look how far they've come in terms of topping the WSL mm. currently and, and also making the FA Cup final. So there's a great case in terms of building and that investment. Um, but I think it's also important not to to run before we can walk. I know you've got a lot of experience in terms of the NWSL over in America and there's there's no relegation and mm. there's all these other different structures. How do you think it, it will be beneficial or, or, or not in terms of what we do over here? Yeah, and I mean, we did, t- we did touch on promotion relegation and I know the um, removal of that was not something that you and Farah were really in favour of. So, And I can understand that given the history of how football is run in, in England. But yeah, if you look at the NWSL, so they currently have 12 teams and they have 12 separate ownership groups within mm. that, um, obviously run by the league, but they're sort of owned as separate entities whereby here in the WSL, um, the clubs are part of the league. And I think, you know, mm. we've talked about this before, Earth, but they're looking to build a whole new league or, or a new structure for the league. So I don't 
think that the time is right at all to look to expand the NWSL until we really have that new structure, the new CEO decides with that um, ownership group how that's going to look. I also mm -hmm. think that there's a big difference because the NWSL is looking to expand to two more teams. So to have 14 yeah. total in 2024, which we know. I also think there's like a massive difference between the US and England and Europe in that the the feeder of that that player pathway into the professional system from the college university system is so much bigger. You have so many division one universities and then let alone division two, II, division three universities that have such good players. And obviously there's a big jump between when you graduate and you're 21, 22, 23 to like being at the national team level. But that mm -hmm. development program from the universities is so strong whereby in England, you have, and in other European countries, you have only what we were talking about, what you're constantly hammering on about that needs to be better is that player pathway. You know, how many academies do we have for young girls? How many club teams are there available for young girls to play in this country? And I just fear that without that huge, solid base of really strong development from the youth level all the way into the WSL here, that the quality will drop significantly if we expand at this point but that yeah but do you think i guess just tagging on to that point wouldn't it support it in terms of there isn't any space for those young talented players to come in where we're looking at at teams now who are looking to win the league they're buying abroad more often which means mm -hmm. the younger english players ain't getting the opportunity to have that high level of competition and maybe if there's a wider spread of teams for them competing for those other top players from around the world and globally and also across Europe, it might then allow for more of those young players to get time on the pitch and not go into a top team and sitting on the bench mm -hmm. or not having to fall down the pyramid. So I think there's a great case in terms of widening the pool to to allow more youngsters from the England sort of set up to come through and, and have that competition. But then what's to say, actually, we just don't get more of the, the best from international and there's, and there's still no space for them to come yeah. through. I think it's a, we're playing in, in hindsight, right? But hmm. it might have to have some, um, I guess, some, some league structures around how much people can be on the roster that are international. And again, now we're talking about interfering in the business of the club, right? Yeah. In terms of what they can do. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's a great debate. Um, maybe let us, fans should let us know what, hmm. do, what do they want to see? Are there, are there teams that they want to see step up to the plate I know there's always this talk about they want the um, Super League to replicate the Premiership and they're trying to get the same teams to have a men's team and a women's team and yeah who, who's not stepping up to the plate what what teams do you want to yeah. to invest some more money let, let us know All for of sure them. send in every send single in one of comments. them Earth. <laughs> but yes yeah let us know what you guys think I think just to, on that point of more teams means more opportunity for young players absolutely I think the biggest question is at what detriment to the quality of the league so yes we can have mm. more but my point is is how good are those players coming through can they play against a perennial harder a sam kerr you know can they hold their own against a chloe kelly um so i guess yeah it's that's the question is you can expand you give more opportunity but already we're seeing that the bottom three teams in the wsl like there's no real way that they can ever win against the top now it's four or five teams in the wsl so yeah, it's, it's about that product of the league as well. But great question, really good. And definitely, as Eartha said, we'd like to hear your thoughts on that. 
Um, okay, we've got a next question. This one I thought was really interesting and I was trying to find a clip to it. I couldn't find one, but maybe someone can send it to us. From Vicky Glover, Mark Skinner throwing his medal on the grass, disrespectful to his team. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's the occasion, right? It, when we talk about it being sort of Man United's first big domestic sort of competition um, that they're competing in, but they, they still want to win. Now, now we're there. We, we want to have the chance to, to bring that silverware home. And I've got to say, at the game on, on the weekend, the Man United fans were absolutely fantastic. They outsang the Chelsea fans. Mm. Um, they were vocal from minute one. The red flags were flying high <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's just passion, right? He, yeah. he always talks about the, the character within those players. It's not something that he wants to, to take away. And of, of course, he's disappointed He's disappointed, and I guess people show it in in different ways. And maybe I, I wouldn't throw my medal on the floor, um, but it's it's in the moment, right? It, it's something that he'll look back on. Um, is it right? Is it wrong? I guess it just adds to the passion, and and I guess his players see that desire um, in terms of him wanting to be a winner, um, and how much it means to him, how much it means to he knows it means to the squad, and how much it can do in terms of women's football. So. Yes, we, we want it to stay around the neck, course mark. But again, I don't think it, it's um, something that's, I don't know, too detrimental in terms of like we've seen in, in other conducts of going towards officials or mm. using bad language. It's, it's another way of him just demonstrating his frustration. Mm. Um, as a player, Bex, would that be something that, inspired you or upset you how, how would you I feel know, if because, you're yeah because we talked about this didn't we I think it was last week or the week before about like how managers react and the, you know how they mm. conduct themselves and I personally you know come coming from the US Sweden Australia New Zealand different countries I just think that there's like got to be a respect in general in the women's game because we've had that conversation so many times, but the values of the game are so strong globally. And that is what is attracting a totally different, more diverse. And ultimately I believe as we've had that conversation, a much bigger, wider audience to the game. And so I think that some of the behaviors that start to creep in from the men's game or from, you know, screaming at referees, getting all up in their faces, it's just not something that has been a part of the game. And I don't want to see it. I don't want to see any of that come into the game. Having said that, you know, I've obviously gone up to referees and had a few words in my <laughs> career as well. And, and so we all do it. We all sort of, you know, let the emotions get the best of us. And that's part of part of sport I just think that it doesn't have to be part of football I didn't see the the video so it's really hard for me mm. to comment on it you know how we threw it down or was it like you know was he having a big pity party or a patty I don't I really don't know but, but we did talk it, we spoke about is it, it the same as taking it off though is it the same as like you know when you, you're handed it they put it around your neck and you yeah. take it straight off is, is it this is it is it the same as that or nah. is it like, is it an escalation of that? Yeah, it feels for, I don't, again, I haven't seen it, but I feel like, yeah, there's been, there's been times where you get the second place medal and you don't really want to wear it because you're not that proud. You're like, thank you. I have it in my possession. Do I, do I want to like wear it around my neck and walk around on the day? Maybe not necessarily. So I get that. I just, I think it is interesting though, that we did speak about Mark Skinner and how, we have traditionally this season, at least we've liked how he conducts himself. He's been very transparent. Mm -hmm. 
He's been very honest also about himself, like when there's been mistakes made or he's felt like he could have coached or managed the squad better during matches. I like that. I respect that. I just like that much more as a human and as a manager um, rather than some other coaches that we spoke about too, which, um, you know, again, just as a, I think as a player, but just as a person and I respect it a lot more when they, when they're respectful just of the game. So, here, so here's a question. If he'd, if they'd won, yeah, and it had a medal, and it given it away. Is 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 that similar? Is, who did that? Was that Chloe? Did who gave? Who did that? Someone, one of the players gave. Was it Kim Little? <laughs> Which one of the players gave away no, their medal? No, I'm just trying. I'm just trying to say. I'm just trying to say. Like, no, no, we talked about it. Was it? We the, did talk about it. Yeah, in the Art Cup. So I'm trying to say, like, is it that important oh, in Cup, terms definitely. of that memorabilia? Like, because we're talking that it's. Yeah. him showing emotion and it's something that he should be attached to and it's something that's important. But on the flip side, when there's success alongside it, we've seen times when coaches have given the medal well, away. Yeah. And again, what, what happens there? If he'd given his medal away, would it be like, okay, we've worked towards this and it doesn't mean... I don't find, that. I don't find that disrespectful. Do you? I don't find that disrespectful if you give your medal away. I, I think that's really cool. It's like generous. It's like giving back to the fans that we know. And, and that's. I think that's, again, a nice point, the difference between potentially mm -hmm. like the men's game and the women's where we involve the fans more. There's a big connection between the fans and the players and, you know, to be able to just hand over a medal. I don't know. I mean, and maybe that's, maybe it's not a male-female thing, men's versus women's football thing but no I like that I don't there's no disrespect in that for me it's just a it doesn't it's not about the medal it's about the respect for the game that's what yeah, it is I, so and, and I think on that point that's why for me it's him just showing his frustration and I think he's, yeah. he's allowed to I think someone who, a team that's gone so far you've built something so great you're disappointed and I can't think I don't think you should like target people because they're demonstrating their disappointment mm. if they hadn't demonstrated their disappointment and just been like oh yeah then they'd be like oh he's got nothing about him and so yeah mm. mark there's obviously that's the way he's decided to demonstrate his disappointment yeah. so it, it, You're it's okay fine with it. it's you feel like i'm, okay, I'm okay with that that, right. that will fire me up like come on yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on. For sure. Next year, first place. Next, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. Um, yeah, and it was a good chat in our first half as well about the FA Cup final. Um, all right, so that one was that. We'd love to hear what you guys think about it. You know, what do you think about Mark Skinner and Man United in general? Um, we've got another one which came from a fan who was Carolyn underscore 470. She wanted us to chat about the Player of the Year awards. Sam Kerr, baby. Sam Kerr, best player of the year. You think she deserved it? Um, Sam's obviously been phenomenal uh, throughout the season, not just this season. Um, consistently, I think since she's she's joined Chelsea, she had a bit of a slow start, um, but has built into into the league and and has been a, a, a front facing face. Mm. Um, Facing face <laughs> for a very long time. <laughs> not the back facing face, um, not that. It, which the is, back no, end. which is right. fantastic, and <laughs> yeah, it's you can't really argue with it in terms of her being up there and being considered. Mm. For me, though, there's definitely been other people that have been a little bit more consistent and, and in demonstrating their craft this season um, and being a lot more prolific. Daily mm. um, definitely Rachel has Daly. to be up there and of considered. Yeah, For she got Aston number Villa. two, right? She was number two. If I she 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 was number two, but she was so far behind. Like yeah. the voting was like, 
basically double. Like she was so far behind in terms of votes. Daily, we took we always talk about Bunny Shaw mm -hmm. as well, someone that could have been considered. Um, but you see Kerr coming away. But I think she's this only the second person after Ronaldo to win it two Twice. years in a, in a yeah. row. So and then what we're talking about. Sorry, I should have said that up front. But it's the Football Writers Association Women's Football mm. of the Year Award. So it's it's voted on by um writers and journalists and so she won it and then we had rachel daly of aston villa and chelsea lauren james uh were the second and third ones respectively respectively mm -hmm. i should say um yeah and she's the first back-to-back -back winner um after winning it last year as well i think i think in terms of james being considered in that list it, mm -hmm. it's been a a good season for her she started off really well we, we know she had a bit of bit of a dip um and wasn't playing so well for for a, a few weeks but we've yeah. seen in the in the past few weeks she's back on it um mm. again FA Cup causing loads of problems um I think Hannah Blundell as we talked about mm. was was great in, in keeping her out of the game but yeah Lauren does what Lauren does she can switch in and out and yeah it's good to see young players part of that list and not just your sort of seasoned professionals so another great win for Sam Kerr, yeah. another accolade for another <laughs> Chelsea player. And I guess we wait oh. to see if, if that changes at some point in uh, for the next season. Yeah, sure. man. I re I'm really excited to see her and the Australian team play in the Women's World Cup this summer, well, their winter. Like, I just wonder mm -hmm. if she can translate that into the Australian national team and then how far they can go. Because they did all right during the Olympics, didn't they? But Mm -hmm. It's just we ne we don't see the Australian team or, or many of the Asian confederation in general playing in sort of more global competition. So um, that's like a big question mark for me. So you wonder sort of how much she can bring. She had 10 goals in the WSL this season and 26 in 34 games across all the competitions. And then obviously she had the goal winner in the FA Cup final. So she's like a clutch player too, isn't she? But mm -hmm. what I loved about that too was that um, Daly was uh, number two or sort of top three and um, and Farah who's not here so she can't defend herself so I'll say it you know we'll say it talk about it earlier but <laughs> as she was saying no no I'd still choose the other strikers over her and I'm thinking no freaking way man she's like she scores goals period so she uh, for me it's still gotta not, be Daly man no I would I would I mean no, I'd still pick Daly over any of the other strikers she, because she's the she's scoring goals. So whether you Just, like her or not, she's yeah. putting the ball in the back of the net, which you need, especially in tournament play, to move forward through the tournament. So, but that's you know, well, that's far enough. She's, she's, she's your starter. She's, she's my your starter. starter yeah, I think so. I, not in every game. Look, I think it depends, right? So, but I think in the major games, in the in the more difficult ones that they'll need really um to have that offensive power yeah i put i put daily in but so I like, she's getting the number nine shirt for me yes for most games again not all because it depends on the tactics and all of that but yeah i want to hear what our fans think on that one because i think it's a really interesting one and it's kind of the one of the biggest talking points i would say with the lionesses this summer wouldn't you say mm -hmm. daily versus russo daily versus russo i don't think it's actually i i personally don't think it's a talking point no, I, I personally think in terms of an out and out striker, yeah, Russo gets gets the nod ahead of ahead of Daly, but it depends how how they set up. Who knows? Yeah. Serena might might change it. She might with go over two up front. Yeah, uh, we'll exactly. just have to wait and see. Depends. We've still on got a few weeks left. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, everyone stays fit, and yeah, we've got a nice um, squad to pick from. But yeah, let's see how it goes. Nice. 
All right. Well, those are our uh, second half fan topics. Thank you guys for sending these in. I really like it. We had some other really interesting one, like does the Mexican wave at major games take away from the occasion? I kind of like that one too. In fact, can we answer that one? That one was from Ali Dixon underscore. I like Mexican waves. Do you, some I, people say they're disrespectful. What? Tell me about that. I don't know if it's disrespectful, but I've got to admit, I don't get up. You don't... <laughs> We're not doing this. You don't this. get up for no. half the time for this podcast. Like no, <laughs> we are not getting up for a Mexican wave. Like no. too American, too Mexican. It's, I don't know what it is, is it? but it's 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 definitely not for me. I watch it. Yeah, I quite happily tell the person sitting next in next to me when it's coming round. Yeah, but in terms of standing up, sitting down, stand, <laughs> so it's just yeah. your sheer laziness that stops you from doing it, or is it because you? No, don't, I'm, you I'm think actually it takes watching away the game. From the football, okay. So you no, do I'm think it the game. away from the football? It takes it takes it away from the football in terms of focusing on it. I, it depends what you're looking for because yeah. some people are just going for a, a day out to enjoy the whole thing yeah. to cheer their team on. Yeah. Whereas I'm like I'm here to watch football and I want to <laughs> see good quality football and I'm not here for a day out in terms of Mexican ways. I don't like enjoying. I don't like enjoying <laughs> sports. I don't like I'm it. Here no. to watch. I, don't, I don't mind it. It's great. I love to see it. It shows that people are interacting and yeah. being part of the game. But for me personally. Um, if you, I'm there to watch live football, I want to watch the live football. And you always know when the Mexican wave starts, you're like, oh, it must be like a lull in the game, right? <laughs> you never, you never do it when they're like about to score a goal or when they, when it's a really good game. There's always like, do you know what? I'm bored. I think I'm just going to start a wave now. You always hear one little section go, oh, and then nothing happens, <laughs> yeah. and it goes oh, again, and then yeah. eventually <laughs> they, the they recognize we're, we're trying to start the Mexican I've wave. I've always wanted but, yeah. to start one. I think that's got to be one of the things that we do. If you do it, I'm going to say, sit down, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Thank you chanting at you for your support. No. It's always, as it's, always, it's, it's a great part of the yeah. feature, but it, it's no, it's a no from it's me. It's a no from you. All right. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, that wraps up our BBB episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For the week. Thank you guys, as always, for sending in all your questions. Thank you for all your comments. Please keep letting us know. Uh, what your thoughts are we really want to know and also we've taken a whole second half for you this week just to chat about your questions so stay involved thanks a lot for having us and listening see you next week ciao